Like, you know, how did you figure all of this stuff out, all of these moving parts along the way? Yeah, it's lonely in the beginning. Like I tell everybody who's starting, you have to join some kind of networking group because it was just Michael and I figuring it out. And it was rough. Like we didn't know what a good tenant was. We didn't know any of the rules. It was just like, we have a house. We want to put a person in it. You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008. Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate Investors. Thanks for tuning in again. We have uh, Michael and Jen Richter on our show today, and we're really excited to get the conversation started. T to be honest, we already started the conversation off mic. We were having such a great conversation. We had to sort of stop ourselves and say, okay, let's save this for the audience because um, you know these guys are awesome. They are the real deal, very authentic, family-oriented people. And the main reason we wanted them on the show is because they are a couple who are investing together. So you know how Jose and I feel about that. We love to see other couples who are investing together. There is just so much um, value when you are on the same page as your spouse. And you know you don't have to be investing together, but just the fact that you have a spouse on the same page as you is just so instrumental in growth. Mm -hmm. And I think that Jenna and Michael will definitely speak to this and show us exactly how this has impacted them and their family. They are obviously first and foremost parents to two beautiful little girls. So we are going to touch on a lot of that and how that has impacted their why and their journey. So just to tell you a little bit about them, they are investors here in Southwestern Ontario. They have done a variety of things, but um, they do focus a lot on the burst strategy, which we'll definitely get into as well and why they've chosen that strategy. Um, so they've bought lots of different types of asset over the years, including pre-construction, single family, um, duplex conversions, and now they are actually working on an exciting fourplex conversion as well. So I am not going to steal too much of their thunder. I think they're going to do a better job telling you more about themselves. So I'm really, really excited to have them on the show today. Jen and Michael, thank you for joining us. Maybe uh, the two of you can start out by just uh, telling our guests a little bit about, um, sorry, our audience. Please tell our audience a little bit about um, who you guys are and uh, what got you guys into your real estate investing journey. Okay. So this started back back in 2013. That's when we were introduced into real estate. And back then I just met Jen and we just, we just actually got married that year. And I was evaluating my life back then as to what I wanted to do. I was working very, very long hours. Jen was working at the hospital. I was, I was working in the HVAC, in the heating, ventilation, air conditioning. Uh, uh, I, I was doing that type of work back then. And what I realized is that we're spending so much time at work. I was spending so much time on the road, driving to construction sites, doing servicing jobs. You know, I was spending 40 to 60 hours easily each week. I was working all weekend just to make income. And I realized, you know what? It wouldn't be enough. I can't constantly exchange my time for money for the rest of my life and then hope 
you know, the government chips in and helps me retire at 65 or 70. So we had the idea. We went to we went to a weekend boot camp. I went to there several years prior, and that seed always stuck. It was always in my mind. And one of the pivotal decisions we made to get into real estate was that we'd go out and buy a house. And we still live in this house today, but we'd buy a house not within our means, but kind of at our means, but not beyond our means. And that's where we're living today. And that allowed us to keep actually my very first property and convert that into a rental. Now, I didn't know anything about rentals back then or tenants or anything else. All I knew is that if we held maybe one or two properties, we could retire more comfortably, maybe retire a little bit earlier and have some sort of a fighting chance to get ahead in the rat race. So we did that. And then not long after that, we bought another property. And this was, <laughs> this, this was, uh, this, this, this is challenging because, you know, I, I kind of had this real estate idea, but I wasn't conveying it to Jen. So we bought the second property, nowhere to close on it. It was a new build pre-construction property. But at the time we're kind of doing the burr process already because we sat down at the broker and I'm like, look, we need a hundred thousand dollars in six months to close on this. And I gave the deposit to the builder on a credit card. And he basically said, oh, no, don't worry. You guys have the money. You can pull it out of your first property, use that as a down payment. And you've got enough rental income to cover that new debt that we'll put on there. So we bought our second property without any income. And after that, that was it. Like that was the seed where I could now say, hey, you know what? There's, there's money in this. There's value in this. We're providing housing and we're making an income and we're building equity. So that's kind of what, what planted the bug for us and started our journey. Yeah, that's kind of what worked. That's how Mike got into it. So I was a little more behind the boat on getting into real estate. Like I said, Mike had gone to all the, the investor meetings. He'd gone to networking groups. And I was still kind of a little bit on the fence of this whole real estate thing. And so the first property was traumatic for me because obviously we'd never done it before. I remember Googling, like, how do you write a lease? Like, what is a lease in Ontario? And like, sitting on the carpet, like at one o'clock in the morning being like, do I have to write the lease? Does the government write the lease? It was so, it was so much for me, but what got me on board for the second property was we had our first daughter and like most new parents, you always sit down with the bank at some point and they talk about RESPs and how it's such a great investment for your children's future. And we were listening to the presenter and they had so many restrictions on what they were going to do with our investment and how we could take it out, when we could take it out, if we could transfer it to another kid, what university or not university could we apply it to? And we left the meeting. I was Mike and I were talking and we were like, isn't our rental property doing way better than the returns of the RESPs that they, these strangers are promising us? And we were kind of joking. We're like, would it be absurd to buy a three-month-old baby a property? And we're like, oh, that'd be so funny. And then we did. <laughs> and we actually had way better returns on the property than whatever the RESP would have been. And then 18 months later, we had our second daughter. And of course, being parents, you can't play favorites. So we were like, wow, we bought one kid a house. Guess we got to buy the second kid a house. And doing the same strategy with the new builds, uh, we bought our second child her investment property as well too. And that's kind of how I got in where I was like, okay, if it's for the kids, if it's for their future, all right, maybe I can handle a bit more of the difficulties of real estate. Well, I know that's amazing. <laughs> and and you know what? Um, there are so many people out there that give themselves excuses that, you know what? I, I don't know where to start. 
Um, like you said, you know, how leases work, who does it, you know, like what is that process going to look like? And, and a lot of people think that it's just a matter of buying a property, but, but it's not, you got to educate yourself and really be immersed in uh, the real estate investment community. Um, so how was that journey? Like, like, you know, how did you figure all of this stuff out, all of these moving parts along the way? Yeah, it's lonely in the beginning. Like I tell everybody who's starting, you have to join some kind of networking group because it was just Michael and I figuring it out. And it was rough. Like we didn't know what a good tenant was. We didn't know any of the rules. It was just like, we have a house. We want to put a person in it. Mm -hmm. We'd like to get rent each month. Um, So it was definitely overwhelming. There was a huge, huge learning curve. And Michael, uh, I'm not going to say drag, but he definitely took me to a networking event one time. He's like, okay, if we're going to do this real estate thing, you have to come with me. We got to like, he's like, it's not just me. There's other people who think like this. So we had went to a networking event, which I was hundred percent convinced it was a cult. I'm like, they're going to give me Kool-Aid. This is not going to end well for anyone. And still not sure, but they, after speaking to other people and realizing it wasn't just all you hear about your parents, what they think about real estate or what the social media or the newspapers are saying about real estate, that there are actually people who are currently doing it and they weren't experiencing all these huge problems that people love to make it out to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah. So, you know, talk to us about the next step. So you, you guys have like a couple new builds under your belt. Now you have this original Mm -hmm. property. Um, why did you continue on that journey? Why was what sort of made you think, okay, this is not enough. I want more. Or I want to continue with this. And and what was your motivation and and what was your plan? So back back then, I mean, we bought the new builds because we didn't have the vision to buy more. We always thought that you know I had the mindset because I didn't really have a large network before I joined my first networking groups and started to actually create a network around myself of of other investors and like minded individuals. So we're kind of, we're kind of in a tunnel and we thought, you know, that was the only way to go. I didn't back then when we were buying these new build construction processes, I didn't know what the bridge strategy was. I didn't know what the legal secondary suite or, you know, how to refinance, get your money out, put it into the next deal. I mean, we were doing that, but I didn't really understand the concept of scalability. So new builds at the time worked for us because we had two little kids at home. You know, I was, I was still working full time back then. I didn't, I, I didn't, you know what, I'll be honest, I didn't have the confidence to take on massive full construction projects myself and still commit to, to two young kids at home. So it kind of did hold me back from doing that. But then we realized after a while that, you know, when you're buying properties in the 400,000s and now they're going up higher and higher and higher, the cash flow is getting squished because that's not following the actual real estate prices proportionately. So the, the properties are getting overpriced and, you know, there's only so much money that we had from our working income. There's only so much we could draw from single family houses to be able to buy new properties. So we realized, I mean, we're going to, we're going to limit ourselves very quickly. So as we became more ambitious and wanted to scale, we, we learned about the secondary suite model and, you know, also the, the Burr model at the same time. So, and that was, well, that was actually Mandy Brennan. We had her on the show. So I'm very, very grateful to what she taught me. And she kind of encouraged me to get into that. And then we started doing that. And I realized that we could scale a lot quicker because now the income, the net operating income was much higher on these properties. And we're buying them, say, at $400,000. 
we were putting a hundred and something thousand dollars into them and then they reappraise at 600 and something. So we were forcing appreciation. We were able to pull a lot of our cash out and keep very little money in the deal. Yeah. So that, that helped us scale. But as I did that, I'll be honest, my confidence started to grow and I could take on four construction projects, general contract on myself. And some of them I hired a general contractor, but I was kind of overseeing that and being the property manager. And when I saw what I was going through, we're dealing with big problems with the construction on some of them. And then we're dealing with problematic tenants because we didn't have our tenant avatar back then. So by going through those problems and facing adversity, it gave me the confidence to actually say, okay, you know what, we can get out of our own town. We can start going to other cities. We can utilize and leverage the skills of others. I can use my leadership abilities. And we could also uh, we could also work with different tenant profiles that we weren't working used to working to at all when you attract A plus tenants in, in new build construction uh, townhouses in Milton. So there's a lot of learning that went into that, but it was it was vital for us to change our strategy to grow and continue growing. Yeah. No, and, and I mean, like, it's kind of unique that you stuck with that. How long did you stick with that uh, new construction strategy? Um, buying only new construction. We stuck with that for, I think about, about five years, five or six okay. years. So we could buy, we could buy one or two a year, which was, which was good. We made excellent yeah, no, returns, that's amazing. but, but, but it limits you. Absolutely. But you know, the new construction definitely gives you, there are some advantages to new construction because, you know, because of that, uh, the, the, the down payment, right. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. have to come up with all of that at once. And typically it's like, um, the 12 to 18 month time frame where you, you get the chance to put up the rest of the down payment, right? It is. So there are advantages. I mean, it's great. I mean, you know, you're dealing with great tenants. You're not dealing with maintenance issues. You're, exactly. Yeah. You got it's really predictable. You know, I'd put money down before we could, there's a level of risk before you could actually close or afford to close on it. So you could, you could, yeah, wait a year to 18 months. Right. And then, and then buy it under value because you're buying, you're buying it pre-construction too. But I mean, look, I mean, that worked for us at the time in our life when we just wanted, we didn't want a level of income. We just wanted a few properties. That was great. And that worked. I, I mean, I personally would buy the if the prices prices were like you know in the four hundreds, I would I would continue to buy that if I can still qualify because yeah. honestly, who doesn't want to have a nice house without any maintenance headaches for a long time? And you're going to attract a premium quality tenant, right? Yeah, and it's you- it's a it's a great strategy or which you know because of the price point, it worked, but you know obviously. Yeah. And the market, the market obviously Mm -hmm. did some amazing things over the last like several years. So the beauty about it is you're locking in a price and -hmm. then the market's doing a lot of the work for you as well. Right. So you close and they're like, here's extra equity. You're like, Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Which is so, so awesome. So, yeah. So, I mean, um, talk to us about that transition and, and are you guys, are you guys uh, full-time both of you in the business now? I feel like I kind of run like you as well. It's like full-time business, full-time mom. It's like a little of everything. And it's that shifting. Sometimes like you're wearing the real estate hat. Some days you're wearing like the mom hat. Sometimes you got like 17 hats in your head and you're like, oh God, <laughs> the balance. But you guys don't work uh, full-time jobs. You guys are full both. I retired time. in 2021. Congrats and I say retire, mom. but all I did was really switch jobs. So it's not like a real retirement. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I'm yeah. still I'm still working three days a week because in the position we're in right now, I like and I know it's I know it's a limiting mindset, but I like the qualification power. I like that. Absolutely, I like the, yeah. I you stuck know, I like with the, my full time yeah. job for, for a long time. Yeah. Um 
way you know and i kind of transitioned to getting my real estate license uh because ultimately you need that source of income right yeah. um and we were still qualifying for residential mortgages uh so yeah mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So maybe yeah. like the reason I asked that question was more just to try to understand sort of why you would have made the switch and whether it had to do with changing needs in your family. Like, was there a push for more income versus um, just sort of sort of a steady growth that you were getting with the new builds? Like, what was the reason that you wanted to switch to a more aggressive model um, doing like more, you know, more money, more headaches sometimes too, right? So bigger renovations, bigger projects, yes, bigger profits, but was there sort of a catalyst that made you want to put in that extra work and and go through those extra things? Uh, for me, for me, it was it was it was time to change. It was time to grow. Uh, we did we did want extra income, and we did want to be able to scale and grow our portfolio because I mean, real estate from five years of of investing in new builds convinced us that this is the right thing to do. And then I was also starting to follow other successful people. I started to listen to. The podcasts and realize that hey, you know what, this this is possible. We can do a lot more with with what we have. And my confidence was also growing dealing with tenants, working with construction. I was getting a lot more skills. So that that's that's what made me do the transition into into secondary suite conversions. And I also wanted to, I mean, you know, I, I don't mind doing my job at all, but I also did not want to work 50, 60 hours a week the way I was. So the way I've been doing this for like the last three years is I only work, you know, three, four days a week. I have more control, a lot more control over the conditions of my work because I, I, I work more or less on my own as a subcontractor. So I can, I can really work as much as, as, or as little as I want to generate the income that we need for the qualifying power to, to put food on the table, right? I mean, these, these are the reasons why, why I kept my day job as well. And also to make sure that, you know, there, there, there's constant income coming in. So because of the flexibility of my job, it's not something, it's not something where it's like, uh, it's not something where it's an ultimatum where it's like, okay, you have to leave and do real estate full time. It's a good hybrid of both that works really well for us. I mean, I, I really, at this time, don't depend on the income because of the, the way we've cleaned up our portfolio and the way we've done things and optimized our portfolio. But I am, I am still working, right? I, st- I still have that. And, uh, and, and that works for us. But but being able to work and choose my hours has allowed me to project manage. It's been allowed me to go out there and seek deals, make offers, work on the business, you know, form relationships, do like cool podcasts like this. So I, I do feel like I, Jen and I, we do have a lot of freedom in our life and we are reaching some of the goals and some of the things we set out to do. And that's, that's getting better and better and better, but it's not an all or nothing. So that's why I'm transitioning out of my job. And that'll, that'll move more and more towards real estate as, as we progress. And it's, it's a slow moving curve for us. It's not something we're doing overnight, but we do have plans to do this eventually full time and get more into the business because uh, like I, I, I love it. I have a passion for building and, and doing this business. It's something I want to do more of in the future. Yeah, I think that's kind of where it lies, where it's not like we wanted to reach a certain price point so I could retire or we wanted to reach a certain price point or door so we could do such and such trips a year. I think it came really from confidence. It's like anybody starting real estate, nobody just their first property is like a 10 plex. Everybody has to work their way up the ladder. And I think that's fairly common across the board. And it's the same with us where we were confident at a certain point and it's like, okay, well, what's the next step? Okay, what's the next step? And once we kind of master and feel comfortable in each area, it's like you're willing to take on the next project. And a lot of that like feel that wants you to keep going and going comes from Mike's passion. Like Mike, nobody is more passionate and excited about real estate than Michael. 
my lord <laughs> this man is like all but the real estate <laughs> i'm like the conversations we have had at like 10 30 at night where i'm like i'm sleeping and he's like but the mortgage rates i'm like mm, that can wait yeah. so i <laughs> think what? that also encourages to- <laughs> him to keep going as well too where it's not like oh i'm happy being at like new builds he's always wants to challenge himself and push himself to that next level but there is that comfort like education and growth that needs to be implemented in between no, no, definitely. I mean, <laughs> we can relate to that as well. We, I, I probably know here as well because I'm talking about some issue at uh, late at night and when mm-hmm. I, when she's ready to go to bed. So, but you know, that's what it is, right? Yeah. It's, sometimes I'm not as nice as you. I'm not just like waving my hand. I'm just like, can you please stop talking oh, to me? Right oh, now? I don't tell you what I actually say to him. I'm like, you think the snoring <laughs> smack is bad? You should get the mortgage yeah. smack. <laughs> I've gotten good at reading. I could feel the energy. Jen doesn't have to say anything. I could feel the energy in the room shift. So I know yeah. when to shut up, and I know when it's. Uh, I know. Yeah. When to be mindful and not like just keep it zipped, right? So anytime I mention real estate now, it's either like, okay, is this is this the right time, or can I like talk to somebody from my network? Nobody wants to hear about tenant problems as we go to sleep. I'm like, well, that's going to be my nightmare tonight. Now, thanks. Absolutely, you know, I I completely relate. So, I mean, now that we've transitioned into a bit of this conversation about investing as a couple, maybe tell us what are there are so many benefits. Let's start with the benefits. What do you think is the most rewarding part about investing with your spouse? I liked like two parts. One, they get it. Like when, if I was a surgeon and I came home and tried to complain about my job, my spouse may be supportive, like, oh, that does sound like a bad day, but they actually really don't understand about how bad it was or the complications and things like this. Mm-hmm. If you come home and you're like, I had this and this, this problem. I know my goal like, understands what I'm going through. It's not just that like, oh, there, there, sweetie. That mm-hmm. sounds like a horrible day. Like he feels it because he knows what it's like. Um also, it's nice to do it with your partner because I know where his intentions are every day. Like I know at the end of the day, whether good, bad, and different, he's making all these choices for like us, for his kids, for his wife, whether, like I said, they're good, bad, and differ. Um, there is a comfort in knowing that it's coming from such a good place and that helps the business. I think it softens it a little bit. It brings a little bit of humanity to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good answer. Love yeah. it. For me, I think I think it's great to play off of each other's skills. Like like Jen's Jen's very very analytical. Like if there's an issue, if there's a legal issue or an accounting issue, I mean Jen can just dive right into it and just focus purely focus for several hours on it. It's almost like a lawyer and just 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 totally unravel the problem and and fix it and solve it. Where me, I'm more of like the big picture thinker. Like I'm the visionary. I like to, you know, present ideas. They don't always work, but I, you know, it's like, that's why I come in at night and I'll just have ideas. I want to explain them to Jen and and share them with Jen. So we do that. And I've also, I've also got skills where I can, where I can manage tenants and and deal with difficult contractors and and handle those calls and field those calls. And, and then just basically shut them out at the end of the day and then join our family and put on my dad hat and put on the husband hat and and form that provided I'm not talking about the real estate. So, you know, I I don't, I don't mind dealing with the big problems because I see that kind of as a, as as a challenge with my background and Jen, you know, Jen wants, it's like, it's like she said, she wants to focus on on being the mom and and doing different things. So she doesn't want to always deal with uh, the problems I have to, and that's perfectly understandable. The the mistake I made is that I thought getting into the business really 50, 50 business partners, I'd have to tell her everything. She'd have to tell me everything. And we both had the 50, 50, 
put into the business. Hence, I was always telling her and sharing with her every single problem along the way. Uh, that that that's that's where I made the mistake. But no, I mean, we both have different skill sets. We both both have similar reasons. But uh, but but you know, we're we're different people, and we both want different things out of the business at times. And no, not everything, not every problem needs to be shared with Jen. She doesn't need to, uh, and I don't need to look over her shoulder every time she's doing something as well. Right. I trust her. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's exactly, you know, very similarly, we operate the same way. It's, I let her do her her thing, you know, I try not to get too involved in whatever she's doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But sometimes we, you know, we, we actually schedule our, our meetings. Like we have a weekly meeting as a partner Mm -hmm structured mm-hmm. every single week so we talk about all the issues and uh, what our week is going to look like so on on mondays we kind of you know just like we have a meeting with our team we have a meeting as a spouse you know as, mm-hmm. as a business partner um and we feel like that that kind of helps us uh, get everything Fine. off the, yeah yeah but it's like even yeah. like the the slip the spouse business partner it's like it's so intertwined sometimes mm-hmm. like that's right when we first started michael kept speaking to me like a spouse in mm-hmm. regards to business stuff he didn't realize that like business jed needs to see black and white numbers if you're gonna like convince me of something i need mm-hmm. it all written down if you could put a powerpoint presentation together good god you have <laughs> me sold but it's like that's how i see things Versus Mike's very emotional. He just like, he could just talk his way through it and he'll be like, got it. I'm good. I worked it out. Now, so learning how to communicate with each other as business partners was mm. definitely a bit of a struggle in the beginning where we did have to kind of figure that role out. Yeah. Um, we're much, much better now, but cause it's like, we're not spouses in those moments sometimes. Well, and that's it because I had the vision of, Hey, you know, we're going to put a hundred thousand dollars into this property. It's going to go up at 5% a year. It's going to appreciate on closing. The tenants are going to pay this. Like I knew that I knew that in my head, I could run that in a performa, but I, the problem is, is that, you know, if I'm presenting that to an investor or if I'm presenting that in a networking event and I present, I'll have that all in a point form on the board where I can follow through with it very professionally. The mistake I was making with Jen is that she's my spouse. So I'd say this around the dinner table. I'd say this when she's cooking dinner and there's kids around her feet. And I'd be like, hey, honey, this, this, this and that. And I wasn't holding the standard of presenting an opportunity because I was dropping the ball because because it was Jen, because she was my wife. I thought we had that level of comfort. So I'd be spewing out all these ideas, just expecting her to nod her head and say, yeah, that's great, Mike. You got it and pat me on the back. Let me know what you want me to sign. But Jen needed a lot more information because she's, I mean, this is, remember, this is foreign to her. Hey, we're buying another property and nobody in our family has ever bought you know, two properties or multiple properties before. So Jen just needed the right information. I wasn't communicating that to her in the analytical format that she needed. I was I was committing that to her for the, the dreamer, the visionary, the, hey, we're going to get all this money in the future. Like, we're going to get the freedom. Can't you see it? Mm-hmm. I saw that, but Jen just didn't see it the way I was presenting it. So that communication just bombed in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we can we can definitely relate to you guys. So I, I completely understand. Everybody has their own dynamic, but ultimately, um, you know, what I'm hearing and what I've heard from other couples too is just finding that perfect harmony between, you know, understanding when and how to communicate mm-hmm. with each other and, and, and really knowing some of those boundaries within the relationships of different kinds, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's your relationship as a spouse or your relationship within the business on the business table, just understanding how to navigate that. Um, because it is so gray in certain spots, right? It's, it's, oh. it's with a business partner, it's very black and white, but with a spouse, it's, um, you know, even like w- just the level of frustration that's communicated to each other. Uh, you probably would, I would never do that with my staff, even at 
like as we're sitting at a table uh, talking about business, the way that you communicate is often just much more authentic and just much more harsh sometimes. um, Emotional. (laughs) Emotional, all those things, right? So, um, but I mean, it is, it is, it is got so many wonderful uh, results and so many, like you said, so many other uh, things about it that are, that make life so much easier in so many ways. So uh, once you learn to navigate through all that, then I mean, it's, it's, it's actually. Yeah. And, and I was going to mention like on the flip side, if you don't have a, a, a supportive spouse, it, things are just not going to work. You're just going to mm-hmm. be no motivation to keep moving forward. Right. You're, you know, I've read this so many times and I've seen it that if, if you don't, you don't, don't have support from uh, your spouse, it's, you know, you and there's no alignment. It's just not going to work out. You're, you're likely going to quit that business, right? Mm-hmm. Go back to your, your nine to five. It, it's just going to, because yeah, you don't have it because there are so many ups and downs, right? And if you don't have that support to bounce off some, uh, your spouse, it, it's just going to drag you down. Yeah. It will. One of the things, one of the things that's been successful to us that we've been doing for the past three, three years now is we've been, we've been doing couples coaching. So we've been coached, we've been coached by another power couple. That's, that's far ahead of us in the oh, in life and marriage and, and also in the real estate field as well. And they've been coaching us on, on business strategy, uh, the, the tactics of business and real estate investing, as well as our own relationship, intimacy, uh, mindset, a lot of stuff like that. And that's, I'll be honest, that's been a game changer to our marriage because far too often, I mean, you know, Jen and I, we'd go to bed at night and we wouldn't talk, we wouldn't fight. But the way, the way I show, the way I was showing up as a man, as a husband, wasn't the way I was supposed to be showing up. And I had all these blind spots. It's like, it's like talking about real estate when I shouldn't have been. It was making Jen feel ways that she shouldn't have felt when she was supposed to be feeling intimate and safe and me running out and leveraging and spending and taking risks with our money to grow the portfolio. Uh, you know, I wasn't communicating that to prob- properly. And that was, it's like, you both said that you have business meetings, but we weren't doing that. And that once a week call with this couple allowed us to open up and allowed me to open up and say, okay, you know what, these are the problems on my mind. And I had issues too with Jen that I had, I had resentments about and my, my reserves about. And Jen had a lot of, a lot of resentments to the way I, things I was doing. And it just wasn't talked about between the both of us because let's face it, we're, we're busy parents. So when we were able to bring these these problems to the table, it was very difficult. I mean, nobody wants to be told what's what's wrong with the relationship, or how to change course, or what they could be doing better. But that um, I don't want to say saved our marriage, but that really started to shift our marriage going in a much better direction, and it made me a better man, a better husband, and now a better father too. And that was a slow moving curve for us. But each each month we'd we'd shift a couple of degrees, and it took time. It took a lot of a lot of different practice and disciplines. But that made our marriage a lot better and a lot more trust. And I think, yeah, to grow, to have your spouse support you, they've got to be able to fully trust you. I have to be able to trust Jen. She has to be able to trust me. And that doesn't just mean, hey, you know, is he going to lose all of our money? But that's like, who's he showing up? Am I a trustworthy person? Am I being open? Am I being fully transparent to Jen around numbers, around everything else, around our financial situation? And for a, a lot of times in my life, I, I wasn't because it's just not comfortable talking about the things that don't go well and communicating that. So by doing this coaching, that changed so much in a relationship. And I'm so grateful for, for that. And Jen, you know, taking this journey with me. Oh, Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. How long have you been doing that? Three years. Three years, Three years now. Three years, right? Wow. 
Yeah. It's like you always hear, like, if you don't grow together, you're going to grow in opposite directions kind of thing like that. Yeah. It's taking that opportunity to do coaching together because everybody wants to do coaching on their own or doing those like events on their own. But if you don't do them actually together, then you're going to grow completely. You will grow, but you may grow in different directions. And that's. Yeah, no, that is that's incredible. I mean, I I rarely hear of somebody sticking with coaching for three years, you know. Yeah. So definitely the consistency is yeah. commendable for sure. Yeah. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit sure. to um maybe talk to us a little bit. I want to hear about this fourplex you guys are working on right now. So maybe tell our audience a little bit about the deal, um, when you purchased it, um, some maybe some rough napkin math on it and uh, what you guys are doing with it. Okay, so we purchased we purchased this deal. It was it was almost a year ago now. We closed on that. We closed on it at the end of April in 2022. And I thought I thought this would like when I bought it, I didn't I didn't see this is the risk when it comes into real estate investing because I had one vision in my mind for it. It was an off-market deal with the close, with the close relatively quickly when we bought it. Um, you know, I did my due diligence and we could have we could have closed on it, it would have been fine, it would have worked as a triplex. But it wasn't it was owned as a legal triplex. It was, yeah, it was owned as a legal triplex. It was being triplex. run as an illegal fourplex. But, yeah, where, so, where was so it? it was in this is in Hamilton, yeah, Hamilton, in Hamilton, okay. downtown Hamilton, towards the top of the mountain. So in a decent in a decent area, we'll be able to attract okay. good tenants. So the issue the issue ran into that where at the time when I when I spoke to my when I spoke to my designer, my BCN my BCIN designer who'd be doing my plans, who still is, is that it wouldn't be very difficult to actually get 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 minor variances for this based on what it was. But once we started to really analyze it, once we uh, spoke to the engineer and the zoning department and consulted with them, it was a long time, especially with the lockdowns to go back and forth with that. And it turns out we need six minor variances now. And we do have an appointment for that on in, uh, next month in April. And then there's an appeal period after that for the neighbors. We, I mean, we don't, we don't expect them to be any pushback because they are very uh, minor. But there's was a lot more behind the scenes work to be done than than honestly I, I expected. So, but I bought that based on the numbers, the cash flow numbers that would be coming off of that, and the long term, the future potential of that, and the rarity of the building to have four units that large, full size units in a nice area with very very strong bones in the building that we saw in the in the walkthrough. So, um. We did. We over the summer we did. We did a full gut job of that. We did. We went further than I, than I expected because you do come across problems and you know yeah. holding onto this property. We want to make sure it's done properly. So we got rid of you know some of the old wiring, some of the old plumbing. Uh, we we got a few of the walls and reinsulated that because we're we're holding this property long term. I want to make sure it's done properly and not you know not not cut any corners or do things halfway. So we did that as we waited for the whole the whole building process and uh, the approval process to come to fruition, which which does take a long time, more, especially in the city of Hamilton, a lot oh, longer yes. than the duplexes we did that. So that that's I went through things. this uh, many times. Yeah. Yeah. So that that did cut that did catch me off guard. But I mean, you know, we didn't, you know, we had a conventional mortgage on that with a relatively low interest rate. So I mean we had we 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 were in a safe position to be able to hold that and carry it with the carrying costs. Um where it did where it did throw us for a loop now is that at the time it was we bought this at the height of the market i mean i couldn't time the market i i don't regret buying it at all because of the rarity of it but nobody um, nobody could have nobody would have thought no right no i mean yeah so we're we're pretty 
yeah, we're putting close to $300,000 into this and we're going to appraise it. And we're going to take, you know, some decent money out of that when it was appraising high and everything was selling high. And there's a lot of optimism with appraisers, with banks, with, uh, with credit unions. I mean, they're just accepting appraisals and everything was going well. But since then, uh, lenders have become a lot more conservative and appraisers have too, because they want to protect their own liability. So we're, we're getting nowhere near what we thought would ARV, the after repair value for this property. Um, but then again, I mean, we're, we're buying this. We don't have partners on it. It's our own funds. Uh, we're, we're doing okay. Uh, one of the problems is right now that we're facing, the biggest challenge that we're facing right now, if we did want to refinance this, is that, is that we're not finding the comps, the comparables, to be able to compare this to, to get a high enough value to be able to pull a lot of the construction funds out of, yeah. uh, which would be alarming if I had you know private lenders to pay back. But because this is the long-term vision and we don't need the money, this is one of the buildings that we just want to use for pure cash flow. We didn't plan on, on pulling out the construction costs because we already consolidated part of our portfolio and sold several properties. Uh, but we did want to have that room available should we want to borrow against the property and then reinvest into something else and burst some of that money back on a line of a home equity line of credit. That's the frustrating part. But I mean, you know what, for this, we know the values are going to bounce back. Uh, sales are slow right now. So just because you can't find comps, I had this conversation with the agents and the appraiser, doesn't mean the, the building value isn't there. It just means, look, there's nothing to support the higher value that we planned or higher value at the moment. So this is why real estate for us, I mean, we're not flipping this. It's a long-term game. And if I have to wait a couple of years, I, yeah, I, time, I'm fine it, with it. Time it's, fixes everything, right? It, it does. Uh, it's for, it's that's forgiving. That's what it is, right? And uh, same, I mean, uh, every, everyone, every investor was caught off guard, right? Uh, No one saw this coming. (laughs) Yeah, but you were just safeguarded, you know, exactly what you said that you, there's a couple of things here that people need to hear in it for the long run, Mm -hmm. no large, your leverage wasn't, you weren't over leveraged. You didn't have a bunch of private lenders that you had to pay Mm -hmm. at like, you know, 12%. You had a Mm -hmm. low interest rate locked in and Mm -hmm. cash flowing. So mm-hmm. like all those, all those things right there are, you know, it's not an accident that you're okay. You're okay because you planned it so that you were going to be okay. Um, yes. And you know, that's the thing with the whole like burr and the refinance and all that stuff. It's like, Hey, this is my best case scenario. I'm going to burn mm-hmm. this, but if I can't burr it in a year, it's going to take me two years to burn it or three years to burn it. Am I going to be okay? Yeah. And I yeah. think people got so comfortable in the market that we had that yeah. they just assumed even when all those other things you were saying weren't there, there was not enough cash flow. There was high interest rates, high leverage, but yet mm-hmm. it's going to be okay because the market's going to take care of me. Right. Yeah. So it, it was almost a, you know, like, <clears throat> Oh, this is taking me six more months. Oh, I'm this is going to appreciate even more now. Right. Yeah. So that was the mindset back yeah. then. <laughs> And, yeah, and uh, it, of course, you know, yeah, people got with, caught with their pants down. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, the power of education, the power of making smart, calculated decisions. Um, it, and, and nobody's immune to the market, right? It, that's yeah. what it is, is that um, everybody thought that this this uh, gravy train is not going to stop. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, yeah, we all look good back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, and, and you know what? People that were over leveraged, borrowing private money. If we did this from the beginning of the pandemic, kind of mid twenty twenty up until up until you know January yeah. last year when things started to follow, there's a lot of people who looked really, really good. Home flippers. It's like you said, Jafari. You know, you buy the property, you wait an extra six months, and then we go up an extra five to ten percent. I mean, everybody looked great. There's podcasts yeah. with all kinds of people just holding properties, not doing anything. 
That's right. You know, I didn't time the market like that. I don't, I don't have a typically high risk tolerance for speculation or anything like that. So the fact that in hindsight that we weren't, we had some projects, you know, two or three projects on the go ever since then. Uh, I'm very, very happy that it wasn't over leveraged because I mean, at the end of the day, you had to pay back your construction financing. We had lines of credit utilized from our other properties, first lines of credit, and we had to pay that back. I'm not the type, I don't want to lose sleep at night. So, you know, the fact that this project went a little bit sideways and we can't get the money out, I'm not losing sleep because we're in a very, very comfortable financial situation, which ties into our lifestyle, our energy, the way, the way we operate our family, the way we run our business. I'm not losing money. I'm not losing sleep over that. If it was the other way around and, you know, I did have a lot of properties on the go. I did have a lot of jobs. I couldn't pay them back. I'd be in a much different situation right now. Right. I could have made a lot more if I, if I took a lot more action, but at the end of the day, uh, I was in positions where I could have had more opportunity, but if I did scale and do this on a larger basis and do what I did on this property, I'd be in really hot water right now. And I'd have really no way to pay things back. And it would have been a different scenario right now. So yeah. there's lessons to be learned, right? Don't over leverage, right? Yeah. Up to your comfort zone, maybe. So hundred percent. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's, it is, there were a lot of lessons learned uh, over the last 12 oh. months. So yeah. And you know, not, not everybody made it. There's, there's people that yeah. we all know that, that didn't make it through this. Right. And they're, yes. unfortunately it fails Absolutely. for them. So, yeah. Yeah. So as we kind of come to an end here, um, maybe you guys can tell us two things. One, um, where, where do you see this going for yourselves in the next, you know, three to five years? I know three to five years is a long time, but what's your vision with your business and, um, you know, just your investing goals. And, Mm -hmm. um, the second thing I was going to ask you, uh, one of you, or both of you can tell us is, um, maybe we always like our guests to leave our audience with something, a quote or a saying, or just a book that resonates with you and, uh, could be impactful for, uh, someone else. Mm -hmm. Jen, do you want to go first? (laughs) For goals or quotes? You can do the goals. I'll do the quotes. Okay. Yeah. So for, for our goals, I mean, we don't, we don't have necessarily goals written down where it's like we have to buy 10 properties this corner and then more and more. Uh, you know, I, I'm happy with the way things are growing. We, we sold, we sold several properties over the last couple of years and put, put a lot of, you know, we paid down, we consolidated and paid down a lot of, a lot of debt against our other properties. So we're, we're in a good <laughs> cash flow position. And we also have a lot of cash in the bank right now for more opportunity. So, you know, when I think about what's gone well, um, you know, I like the freedom we have right now, uh, I, I like doing the construction projects. I like, you know, like the fourplex model we did where we buy it under value, we turn it around, we legalize it, we go through that process because not everybody wants to do that. So there, you know, I, I am looking for more opportunities in that space, especially where we can produce more cash flow to scale. And then in terms of in terms of a quote, uh, I I love the book, The One Thing. And one of the things that I've with, with where we're at in our life right now is I wake up every morning and, you know, there could be a bunch of things that have to get done. And I always say, what's that one thing that's going to move us ahead personally, spiritually, emotionally, and especially move our business away and give us the best returns for our time. And one of those, one of those is, okay, it doesn't need to be the best thing that I want to do, but what's, what, what's going to do it. And I find it's not always the easiest thing. So instead of, you know, returning something to Home Depot, some extra returns, well, maybe it's pick up the phone and make that awkward conversation to an owner you never met before to a property you like. So the one thing that's going to get us ahead or move us forward or move the needle. Okay. And then in terms of, uh, in terms of- That's a great book. I've read it. Yeah. One thing. Yeah. Yeah. One thing. 
Yeah. In terms of, uh, in terms of like a quote, uh, just like kind of like what, what you asked me at the beginning, like what got us started. I didn't have all the answers. Jen and I didn't have all the answers to start, but we just took action and things came together. So we took action and you know what? The right people came across because we're committed to the goal because I so desperately wanted to get out of the rat race and create something for my future. My why was so big that things just came together. The right mortgage broker came across and found the right agent. We attracted, you know, really great tenants. And now, I mean, there's a whole network of individuals, coaches, professionals that can help you. So just, you know, you don't have to have all the answers. We didn't. I was pulling my hair out on that first deal sitting in the living room before I did the key exchange, trying to think about all the things that could go wrong, but just take action and do it. And, you know, don't over leverage yourself, but just get out there and do it. And the answers will come to you. Yeah, no, that's really good. Some great advice and a great book. Definitely encourage you to read that one. I love that book too. Yeah. So Jen? Awesome. We have a good family motto. We go say, say yes, and then figure it out later. Because mm-hmm. yes. it, uh, it's kind of like what Michael, Michael was saying is sometimes we overthink everything or uh, we always want every single piece of information possible to do something. And that's mm-hmm. not possible. So our attitude is you always say yes to great opportunities and then you figure it out later. Or even if it's something as simple as like with our kids, I'm like, you say yes to try new food and then you really know if you like it or not. You say yes to zip lining or skydiving and then you figure out if you really like it or not afterwards. So it's always saying yes and not missing out on things in life. Yeah, no, that's Amazing. awesome. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because we say that to each other. So Jose will say like, oh, should we do this deal? I'm like, yeah, we should. And he'll be like, but how are we going to do it? I was, that's my favorite thing to say. To <laughs> it's okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. And sometimes he's like, but no, like, I don't really know how you're going to figure this one out. Like, but it's like, no, that's future Jen's problem. Yes. <laughs> so I love that too. No. So, um, yeah, no, absolutely guys. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story. I hope that your story inspires other people. I think you guys are super inspirational. And I think that, you know, you're, there's so many lessons here, like I just said, but also the fact that, you know, when you have the right attitude and you have the right support from your spouse, um, that that's really all it is. The rest can be learned and implemented and all that good stuff. Like all that stuff you learn in the seminars, like that's all great, but it really starts here, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it really starts at the depth of it all and your relationship with your spouse and um, just, you know, having that desire to make change in your life. And that's, yeah. that, that's- having that big why, you know, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I truly believe that there are going to be great opportunities ahead of us. Um you know, every market goes through cycles. So we're, uh, yeah, um, I'm glad you have some cash in the bank uh, ready to deploy, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And so just yeah. lastly, before we sign off here, uh, we'll put in our show notes as well, but uh, what's the best way that people can follow your journey or reach out to you guys? Well, we've got, we've got our Instagram account. So it's double E properties. If you want to follow us, that's, a, that's our business account. And then I'm more, I'm, I'm fairly active on my own personal Instagram account. So that's just Michael K Richter, like my last name. So that's, uh, that's, that's the best way to do it. Or you can go to our website, double E properties.ca yep. and find out more about us there. Okay. Fantastic. Amazing. So thank you guys again. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, hope we'll, we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the savvy real estate investor show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. 
We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.